You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas, we are filling in for the guys, taking you up until 10 o'clock Eastern. You can follow us on Twitter at AmberWSports at HDouglas83. You can also join the conversation on the call-in line. Give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We have learned from our very own Woj that the Boston Celtics are in the mix in the Kevin Durant hunt. Here was Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN NBA insider, this morning on SportsCenter explaining how Boston got into this conversation. Like everyone else, they called they called Brooklyn once it was revealed that Kevin Durant had asked for a trade back on June 30th. And you know, I think like other teams who look at their makeup, where they are uh, in terms of their championship pursuit, and do we have the assets that might interest Brooklyn? And it could bring in Kevin Durant and put us over the top. I think the answers for the Celtics on all those questions are yes. But, of course, at what cost, what price uh, for Boston? So let's bring in some help to unpack this situation. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated senior writer, NBC Sports Boston NBA analyst, joins us now on the call-in line. And, Chris, simply first, were you surprised to hear that the Boston Celtics are in talks potentially for Kevin Durant with the Brooklyn Nets? No, not at all. Um, I wrote about this back on July 1st that a a Celtics pursuit of Kevin Durant was inevitable. Um, look, the, the Celtics, their front office believes they are on the brink of something special. And look, it was evidenced by their finals run last year. Experience cost them at the end. And, you know, the inability to create offense was what one of the big problems they had against Golden State. Kevin Durant, if he came in, would solve that problem. You have Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. You have, I think, inarguably, the most lethal one-two scoring combination in the entire league. Uh, You'd be downright dangerous offensively. So this always felt inevitable. And, you know, you always knew that Jalen Brown was going to be the centerpiece of any type of trade package Um, as Jalen Brown has been the centerpiece in trade talks for Kawhi Leonard, for Anthony Davis, for every other major player the Celtics have targeted over the last five or six years. Um, The question just now becomes, how deep into the bag of assets are the Celtics going to be willing to go? I, I don't believe that they're going to go much further than Jalen Brown some other rotation player, be it Derek White or Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard, uh, plus draft picks. Draft picks, I think, are, are, are fine. I mean, Brad Stevens has yet to draft as the team president and seemingly has no plans to draft ever again with how he's sort of flipping his draft picks left and right. So the Celtics won't blink at putting draft capital into this deal, but 
they don't want to include Marcus Smart in this trade package. They don't want to include another player in this trade package. They're, as far as I've been able to, to, to ascertain, it's for right now, it's Jalen Brown and you know little pieces and draft picks, and, and that's pretty much it. Well, with that being said, Chris, if you have a Kevin Durant joining a Jason Tatum, but you only have to give up a, a Jalen Brown draft picks and probably one other player, um, would that make Boston the favorite in the East? Uh, it would. Um, look, I, I, look, I think that odds makers already have the Celtics to be the favorite to win a championship in the aftermath of the Malcolm Brogdon deal. But, look, there's some understandable unease within the Celtics about, you know, the, the rest of the Eastern Conference landscape. I mean, they just edged Milwaukee in the conference semifinals, and the Bucks were missing Chris Middleton. If the Bucks had Chris Middleton healthy for that series, you could make a strong case they would have beaten Boston. They'll have Middleton back next year. They added Joe Ingles. Philadelphia has loaded up this past offseason with some of their acquisitions. Miami looks like they're still going to be there, and they pushed the Celtics to seven games. Jimmy Butler makes that shot at the end of the game seven, and it's Miami going to the finals. So the Celtics don't look at, at themselves right now as being – any kind of prohibitive favor to do anything. So they're looking to upgrade. And everything we know about Brad Stevens as team president is that he's aggressive. Like he went out right away when he got the job a year or so ago and acquired Al Horford. He went out the trade deadline and dealt multiple draft uh, picks in exchange for Derek White. Like he has been far more aggressive in trades than Danny Ainge was during his time as as Celtics boss. So, you know, th- this is something I think the Celtics will continue to pursue. I just don't believe uh, – I don't believe that Boston or any team, quite frankly, is going to really get overly aggressive on a Durant trade until they figure out if the Nets are going to be willing to bring Durant back. Like, that that's the big question right now. Like, will Brooklyn go to training camp with Kevin Durant on the roster, with Kyrie Irving on the roster? Until that's known – you know, teams like Boston are going to make their offer. The Nets are going to counter with something big of their own. And there'll always be a gap because the teams that are talking to Brooklyn don't believe that they're going to be willing to bring that band back together. And until the Nets prove or make teams believe that they will, uh, this, this thing is all oh, things going to drag out. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated senior writer, NBC Sports, Boston NBA analyst. So, Chris, the reason that I didn't see the Boston Celtics wanting to get involved in the hunt for Kevin Durant, even though certainly every team in the NBA should arguably be interested in a player of that caliber, is because that young core in Boston, I mean, the age being the most noteworthy component, like you're talking about a young core that was just in the NBA Finals. Yes, they didn't get over the hump, but if you see the trajectory of where they've gone from Eastern Conference Finals, then they got over that hump now we're in an NBA finals if you believe that Smart and Tatum and Jalen Brown could get over that hump then you're talking 10 years of that right because they're in their mid-20s whereas you all if you all of a sudden pivot and go after KD you're talking you know two years left maybe of Kevin Durant's prime at his age I mean that's why I was so surprised what do you make of that well I mean look there's you know Oklahoma City I'm sure thought 10 years ago they were going to have a decade long run, you know, things just change. And, you know, one of the reasons the thunder of, you know, 2012, 2013 era changed is because, you know, James Harden was eventually traded. They were broken up. Jalen Brown has 
two years left in his contract. And the Celtics down the line can make him the most lucrative offer. And that may be enough to convince Jalen Brown to want to stay. But, you know, there's no guarantees that Jalen Brown wants to be around in this role long-term. I mean, Jalen Brown is an all-star. Like, he's a legitimate all-star and an improving player almost every single year. Um, He has been a very loyal uh, member of the organization. He has never complained about effectively playing in Jason Tatum's shadow, and he's played exceptionally well in that role. But he could decide down the line that he wants a bigger role with another team. And, you know, on top of that, as I mentioned before, you know, Jalen Brown has often been viewed as this expendable asset. Like, he has, you know, did the Celtics want to get Kawhi Leonard from San Antonio? Well, they can throw Jalen Brown. Anthony Davis, for years, was talked about in connection with the Celtics, and it was always Jalen Brown being thrown into that deal. Now here we are talking about Kevin Durant. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Jalen Brown felt, you know, disrespected by all that. And that could lead him to eventually wanting to leave Boston in a year. I mean, a year from now, we could be talking about the Celtics almost having to trade Jalen Brown because they fear they might lose him in free agency in the, uh, the following summer. So, uh, look, on paper, sure, you can see a five-year window for this Celtics team. But, look, I think Kevin Durant, if he can stay healthy, and that's been a problem for him in the last couple of years, but his game seems to be maturing quite well. Like, he, it doesn't seem like his game is slowing down one bit as he enters his mid-30s. I think he can get at least three more years of playing at or close to this level. And if you can get that of Kevin Durant and that of Jason Tatum, you are a cha- a championship favorite every single year. Jason Tatum is the face of that franchise, the Boston Celtics, that is. Um, when you look at Brad Stevens and Ime Adoka, do you think they have went to Jason Tatum and asked him, him th- his thoughts on the trade? Do you think he has a say in it? No, I doubt it, um, especially since we're – Look, I, I, we're at a, still at a preliminary stage with with these talks, um, and I doubt that you know he gets consulted on those types of decisions. Not, not that he shouldn't be down the line, but look, he's a young player. He's just beginning a new max contract. Um, I don't think he's in that position yet to be consulted on things like this. And look, Jason Tatum, look, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they're. You know they've got a really good relationship. They're they're probably never going to be best of friends because they're two very different types of personalities. But they know how successful uh, they have been and will continue to be on the floor. But I'm sure Jason Tatum also knows. You know he and Kevin Durant would be outstanding offensively. And Jason Tatum just went through a finals where look he was a big part of the problem. I mean he set a record number, committed a record number of turnovers in the playoffs, and just wasn't able to get it going offensively. But he knows that if you have Kevin Durant on the other side of the floor from him, it's going to be impossible to load up on one of them because they are just too good offensively to commit too many resources to individually. You mentioned their relationship between Tatum and Brown and it being a pretty good one. And also that this could cause stress between Jalen Brown and the organization. But we've been here before where he's been linked to teams in trade rumors. How do you see that playing out, though, if this Kevin Durant thing doesn't happen? Well, look, Jalen Brown has been very good at publicly brushing off all the trade talk. Um, He he has been in Boston long enough to know that kind of comes with the territory. So I don't think it would affect him going into next season, especially a season where Jalen Brown 
wants to make another all-star team, wants to make an all-NBA team if he potentially could, and certainly wants to win a championship. He knows everything involving him, both individually and team-wise, would 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 jump to the next level if if all those things came together. So I think it'd be fine bringing him back. It just again, it becomes another potential landmine for Jason uh, Jalen Brown coming back to Boston long term. He may decide ultimately if it gets to that point in two years that you know, like I'm going to take the money. If it's a five year max level contract, like most players in today's NBA, I'm going to take the money and and figure everything out later. But yeah, it could come down to say him saying, you know what, I don't feel like I'm, I'm wanted here, and when it's my time to to be able to do whatever I want, I'm going to walk and go somewhere else and be the face of a new franchise. I just think there's there's still some unpredictability there when it comes to Jalen Brown. Chris, last one um, I have for you before we let you go. Do you think Ime Adoka, since he's coached Kevin Durant in Brooklyn, do you think he came to the Boston Celtics um, in pursuit of Kevin Durant, or you you think the front office came to Edoka about it? Oh yeah, no, I don't think Ime may came you know, interested in Durant at all. I mean, you know, Ime came to this team back when the theory, at least, was that Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving were going to be awesome together, and they were going to win championships or be favorites to win championships uh, for years to come. Ime Ime came for these young guys, and Ime has done an outstanding job at bringing more out of these young players in instilling discipline and accountability within this team that, that wasn't there in the last couple of years of, of Brad Stevens run uh, with that team. So uh, I think Ime would be perfectly fine coming back, but I do think, you know, the influence of Ime, you know, could be significant on Kevin Durant. I mean, look, Kevin Durant is, as far as I know, not put the Celtics on his potential wish list of teams, but if a trade somehow is able to be put together and the Nets go to Kevin Durant, the Celtics go to Kevin Durant and say, if you want to be here, Ime Odoka's presence, I think, would be incredibly valuable, not just because he coached him for a year in Brooklyn, but because Kevin Durant just saw how good he is because he and the Celtics swept the Nets out of the first round. And, you know, Kevin Durant saw the defenses that the Celtics ran, saw the discipline with which they played with. I think having Ime Odoka on the bench, you know, after a trade, if a trade comes together, uh, could turn out to be a valuable asset for the Celtics. Chris, we are up against the clock. Give me a percentage chance without any context that this actually happens. I'm always skeptical, but, you know, 25% we'll okay. say, and maybe it increases when we get into mid to late August when teams start to, to really you know, dig in. All right, you're playing it safe. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated senior writer, NBC Sports Boston, NBA analyst. Chris, thanks for joining us. You got it. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, Amber Wilson, and Harry Douglas filling in for the guys, taking you up until 10 o'clock Eastern. The road to the rematch is on as bantamweight champ Juliana Pena and former champ Amanda Nunez go head-to-head as coaches on the historic 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. Stream the series now exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Sign up at ESPNplus.com. So we were talking about the landscape in the NFL earlier Mm -hmm. in the show. And I want to get to the two teams in New York because you and I, right now, we have the pleasure of being in New York City together live from Pier 17 in the Seaport District of Manhattan. It got me thinking about the Jets and the Giants, Harry Douglas. I think in years past, it would be easy to say who's the better organization there, (laughs) right, over the last decade. But in 2022, I don't know if it's as easy of an assessment. Who would you have as being the better organization right now? 
I'm going to go with the New York Jets. I'm going to go with the New York Jets um, because they have a younger quarterback. Um, when you look at Daniel Jones with the Giants, he's on his fifth-year option. But we don't know if he's going to be the future future of that of that organization. You look at Zach Wilson, we know Zach Wilson is going to be there probably another, for sure, two or three years, four years, right? We do know that. Now, when I look at the teams, I love what the Jets did. Uh, free agent-wise, and I also love what they did in the draft. They brought in the guy, Brees Hall, running back-wise, out of Iowa State, who was phenomenal uh, in college last year. One of the most all-around better backs to be a tandem with Michael Carter. Right? You look at Elijah Moore, who they drafted a year ago, he's going to have to remain healthy and be, be, be available to his team. You have Corey Davis coming back. They drafted Garrett Wilson to go along with Braxton Barrows, who they re-signed, and Denzel Mims, uh, who has to – live up to his draft status. But at the tight end position, they brought in C.J. Uzama, right? And within this type of offense, Mike LaFleur is a brother of Matt LaFleur, so this is the Shanahan scheme offense. You, your run game has to be very productive because everything comes off the run game, and you have to have a solid tight end. Now they have that running back that they were looking for. They have the tight end, Uzama, who came over from the Cincinnati Bengals. I like their offensive line. You look at Makai Becton, he's coming back. Uh, Vera Tucker, uh, George Font. He's going to be solid defensively is what really, really, really jumps out to me. When you look at a Carl Lawson who's going to be coming back off the injury, a a Sheldon Rankins, a Quentin Williams, uh, his brother at the linebacker position, Quincy Williams, C.J. Mosley, Nasir Dean, a young uh, phenom from Florida State. Then you look at John Franklin Myers, who they re-signed last year and gave an extension to. They drafted Sauce Gardner Mm -hmm. from Cincinnati, who didn't give up a touchdown in his career, which is amazing. Now, it's going to be different in the National Football League because that's just how it goes. But – LaMarcus Joyner, Jordan Whitehead, DJ Reed, they got over from Seattle, uh, Bryce Hall. I like their young nucleus uh, team-wise, and I think the New York Jets now, is it going to be easier for them than the Giants? No, because they're in the AFC, right? And just that conference period is going to be tough. But when I look at the Giants, I have a lot of question marks with their secondary. Um, Adoree Jackson, I played with Adoree in Tennessee. Adoree's good, but a lot of other question marks. Their defensive line, I like their front seven. But we don't know about Daniel Jones. We don't know if Saquon Barkley is going to be healthy, right? We know when Saquon Barkley is healthy, he can do it in the running the football. He can do it catching the football out of the backfield. The thing is, the last two years, he's been decimated by injury, so we don't know. Last year, you look at their wide receiver core. Every wide receiver they had last year missed time. Mm-hmm. The two guys that they brought in, and uh, Kadarius Tony that they drafted, Kenny Galladay, who they gave a ton of money to, had zero touchdowns between them. You look at their receivers, I think, and totally, I think they had three touchdowns between all the receivers. That is horrible. That's horrific. Offensive line is going to be better this year, but I just think the Jets are going to be better than the Giants. But I think the Giants have a more of a chance because they're in the NFC, but I think the Jets will be better than the Giants. The Giants were once the model of consistency, right, and, and patience and did everything the right way. So when we're talking about who's the better organization, well, I mean, over the last 15, 20 years, it's easy, right? Yep. If we're talking about who's the better team in 2022, though, I tend to side with you that it actually might be the New York Jets. 
It feels like the trajectory of the Jets. People love what they did in this year's draft, as you mentioned, with Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. They they love what the Jets were able to do. But then also you're talking about a Zach Wilson who should be hopefully maturing, a quarterback who certainly looks the part and might be able to take that next step. What's interesting about the Jets is you and I are talking about the Jets like they have this bright future. I mean, they were pretty <laughs> inept last season. I mean, that offense was inept, and that defense was one of the worst in the NFL, and yet you just told me defensively that Jets team is going to be much improved. And, I, and I'll say this. Um, that's because I believe in Robert Sala. I, I can't ignore what he did when he was in San Francisco and having one of the best defenses in the National Football League. I also look at last year. The Jets beat the Tennessee Titans in overtime. Mm-hmm. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl last year as well. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by four points. There's some promise there, right? And they can build off some of the two of those wins against quality opponents. The Tennessee Titans were the number one seed in, in the AFC last year. And I just mentioned that the Cincinnati Bengals um, went to the Super Bowl before losing to the Los Angeles Rams. And then Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had an opportunity to win that game. Listen, they fought it. Tom Brady and them had to come back and win that game. Versus the Jets late in the year. Yeah, so they hung. Well, they hung with the Bucks. Exactly. They hung with the Bills. Remember, they were only down three points to the Bills. Uh, also in the finale of their season. So they got better at the end of the season, the yep. Jets, which is what you want when you had a rookie at the helm. So you're hoping that he's able to take that next step, obviously, in Zach Wilson. Whereas you have no idea what you're going to get out of Daniel Jones. But if the Giants thought they were going to get anything out of Daniel Jones, they would have picked up that fifth-year option. Let's be real. Now, maybe this conversation changes if the Giants are in pursuit of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's a potential landing spot. We'll get into that at some <laughs> point on today's show. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Doug. We have been filling in for the guys. We were taking you up until 10 o'clock Eastern. Coming up next, how much will Patrick Mahomes miss Tyreek Hill this season? We will get into some more Chiefs talk. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again 
by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. This is ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days, the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, in the AFC West, it's got to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I I think they have the best quarterback in the division, and and I get it. I know there's going to be a lot of skepticism now that Tyreek Hill is in Miami. I think it's going to be different. I think they're going to be much more diverse, and Patrick Mahomes just has to play point guard. That's what you're going to see at this offense this year. It's going to be everybody. It's not going to be one guy. I mean, obviously, Travis is going to still get a lot of completions, a lot of yards, but I think the whole receiving room um, is going to have big days, and I think that could be something that we can use to our advantage. You're listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas filling in for the guys, taking you up until 10 o'clock Eastern. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So we are in the midst of our ESPN NFL Radio Two-A-Days, where we break down two teams for you each and every day. And today, we have been talking about the Bills and the Chiefs. So let's go ahead and bring in some help with the Kansas City Chiefs discussion. Nate Taylor, the Athletic Chiefs reporter, joins us now. And Nate, when we were talking about the Chiefs earlier, one of the things that we were saying is you can't fill the void left by Tyreek Hill, but it's not like they brought in absolute scrubs to help try to fill some of that void anyways. And in Valdez, Scantling, and in Juju. Is it possible that if you take the receiver room as a whole that you could argue that they're actually better than last season? Yeah, Amber, thanks thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And I think you're you're on the right track, right? I think I've written uh, at several occasions during the offseason that uh, the Chiefs felt like they could no longer obviously uh, keep Tyreek Hill. You know, in terms of the wide receiver room, he was taking up so much of the target, so much of the responsibility in terms of production that, yes, you're never going to get a player as quality as Tyreek Hill. But the quantity of actual good receivers they have on this roster is better than what they had a year ago. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is supposed to be better than Byron Pringle. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanlon is supposed to be better than Demarcus Robinson. And you can hope, I think, that the Chiefs are somewhat still optimistic that Michael Hardman, who is probably still the fastest player on the team, uh, that he could have a breakout season in his fourth year. Um, and, of course, they drafted Sky Moore in the second round to be sort of that next wave of receivers that can maybe, uh, you know, be on the same track as Patrick Mahomes' uh, you know, his, the prime years of his career. So you're looking at four wide receivers that should be pretty good for this new revamped offense where a year ago I could say you could really count on maybe two guys um, to be somewhat successful, whether that's, you know, Hardman and Hill. So, yeah, I think the Chiefs understand that uh, Tyreek Hill may still be good this year with the Miami Dolphins, but they should be less predictable because they have four receivers to really use at their disposal alongside Travis Kelsey. Yeah, Nate, I think a guy like Nicole Hardman, I think he's going to have to step up tremendously. Uh, when you look at when they drafted him, I thought I thought the mindset of the Kansas City Chiefs when they drafted him was like, okay, we have a player with similarities to Tyreek Hill. He's not Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. but he can do a lot of the same things. I just don't think he has lived up to being drafted where he was drafted at and where the Chiefs thought he would be at at this point. Now, he's going to have more opportunities this year, but a player that I'm really, really high on 
is Sky Moore. When I did my draft evaluations, the way that he can play in the slot, outside, this quickness off the line of scrimmage, he made the tough catches. I think him and another guy, Justin Ross, that they got in free agency, if Justin Ross can be healthy and add another dimension, another be another dynamic guy for Patrick Mahomes that can go up and get jump balls, I think this receiver core will be better than it was in the past, but it also will, will allow Patrick Mahomes to go through reads, play a little bit more into the system. Now, you're going to still have those scramble plays, but it's going to force him <laughs> – it's going to force right. him to focus on the play and go through progressions more so. Yeah, and, you know, to your point about Sky Moore, um, he had, in terms of the Chiefs' opinion, the most reliable hands in college football last year, even though he played at Western Michigan. Um, obviously, he's got electric speed, quickness off the line of scrimmage that you mentioned. And, yeah, you know, what's going to be fascinating this year is the Chiefs can run Sky Moore in the slot. Obviously, they've done it with McCall Hartman at times. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy that sort of lives and thrives in the slot position. So whoever's in the slot, I think, will be an interesting sort of wrinkle to this offense because it could be so many guys. Um, in terms of Justin Ross, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, he's still coming back from these injuries that he had in college. And so, you know, the number one thing for him is just trying to get healthy and get some consistency down. Um, but you're right. I mean, Andy Reid is still a West Coast guy with obviously air raid principles, you know, sort of within the offense because you just have such, you know, I would say arguably the, the most talented quarterback in the NFL. And I love that you guys are sort of previewing the, the, the Chiefs and the Bills because obviously this is sort of the new rivalry in the AFC. Um, but for the Chiefs to maintain their, you know, their superiority over the Bills, for them to be uh, another excellent contender to, to try to get to the Super Bowl this year, it's going to come down to Mahomes, you know, rising all of these receivers to play at a very high level, at a very consistent level. Um, and that's something that he's never been quite asked to do before. When he came to Kansas City in 2018, everything was pretty much ready-made for him. He had a really good offensive line. Uh, he had Kareem Hunt with him as a rookie. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Sammy Watkins. So it was really about, like, hey, just, just function and sort of, you know, be there to make plays when plays are made. I think this time – as we go into sort of year six with Patrick Mahomes, it's the idea of, hey, you know the offense better than anybody else. Obviously, we know you for your talents and your scramble abilities and obviously your deep threat in throwing the football up with an accuracy. Now it comes down to, can you get everybody involved? Can you get everybody in the right spot? And then can, when the moments are there, uh, can you really build trust and chemistry at a pretty quick way so that when you get to January, um, this team is perhaps, you know, slightly harder to guard in various different ways than maybe what they were last year when it was pretty clear that Mahomes was relying solely on Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, um, and the rest of the guys weren't necessarily as much of a threat as they should have been. Nate Taylor, the Athletic Chiefs reporter, joining us. We spent a lot of time talking about what the Chiefs lost offensively in Tyreek Hill. They also lost a big key piece of their defense, though, defensively in Tyron Matthew. How much is that going to cost them, if at all, this season? Oh, it could potentially cost them a lot, Amber. Um, I, I think you can always give the benefit of the doubt to the Chiefs' offense just because, yes, it will probably look different, but they still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Travis Kelsey. They still have Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, you know, sort of coaching that, that, that offense. On defense, you know, last year a lot of it was turnover-led or the idea that they could not get to the quarterback, which put a lot of pressure on a safety like Tyron Matthew, who could do everything – but, you know, there's only so much one defender can do in a game where, you know, there's a lot of offensive weapons that are available to the other side. So for this year, 
You know, they replaced Tyron Matthew with Justin Reed, uh, who used to be Tyron Matthew's former teammate in Houston. Uh, he looks to be like someone who is taking on a leadership role. Um, I think the most important player on the Chiefs defense is Chris Jones because he's their most talented defender probably. Um, he wants to be considered the second-best defensive tackle in the league behind Aaron Donald. So for right now, can they get to the quarterback consistently? Can they create turnovers to give the offense a chance to sort of extend leads or sort of get closer to that red zone area for Patrick Mahomes to operate? But honestly, if they can't cover you know, the way they have been over the last few years because Tyron Matthews not there, it's going to create problems, and it's probably going to force Steve Spagnuolo to blitz more than he would like which means we're going to be watching a lot of shootouts when the Chiefs are on television. It is going to be interesting to see the new look Chiefs uh, after a pretty difficult, I think, Chiefs fan would say offseason. Nate Taylor, the Athletic Chiefs reporter. Nate, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Harry. I appreciate it. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max podcast. Big Ben. He is no longer playing in the National Football League, but he is certainly still in front of microphones talking. And he sounded, I would say, kind of old, maybe like a curmudgeon, uh, Harry Douglas. He said, I might be standing on a soapbox a little bit, but my biggest takeaway from when I started to the end, it turned out from a team first to a me type attitude. It was hard. It's hard for these young guys to social media. They're treated so well in college. Now this new NIL stuff, which is unbelievable. They're treated so special. They're coddled at a young age because college coaches need them to win too. Harry Douglas, you played in the league for many a years. Is Big Pen right? He's not lying, but what Big Ben has to understand is that time changes. It changes a lot of things. Things evolve. We look at the world uh, that these young players are coming into today in the National Football League and, and, and where it's at versus when Big Ben came in and when I came in in 2008. I think Big Ben came in in 2004. It is 100% different. 100% different. I've seen it at the tail end of my career. Young guys coming in. They're so worried about going to the mall. We're on the playoff run. They weren't about going to the mall with their little outfits on that says Titans and seeing what they can do with to those. To be seen? Th- yeah, yeah. They worried about all that kind of stuff. Hold on. But you guys weren't worried about being seen at all. Like, let's not pretend like professional athletes just started liking the spotlight. No. We was about that business, boss. <laughs> okay. Well, Marshall, I'm about that action, boss. Okay. All we was right. about that action and about that business. But, listen, what Big Ben has to understand is that when you have players like a Juju who's on his TikTok and, you know, he's getting paid money to do that. You see Antonio Brown on his, on his IG Live while Coach Tomlin's talking or even Chase Claypool during a two-minute session last year. He's worried about doing a first down. When you're talking about those regards, Big Ben is right. But at the same time, you have a guy like Mike Tomlin who has to give these guys extra attention because not everybody's going to be treated the same. Because if one player might need more attention than another. That's what makes coaches great. And I commend Mike Tomlin for being a guy who's been able to hold things in in Pittsburgh. You look at a guy like Antonio Brown, right? Things just went off the rail when he left Pittsburgh. It went off the railroad tracks, leftwards, rightwards, frontwards, backwards, every way possible. But he was able to hold that together while he was in Pittsburgh. Time changes, things changes. It's not going to be the same as it was back in the day. Big Ben got to understand that. And that's how coaches, their mindset has to be too. Yeah, this just sounds to me like Big Ben uh, sounding old, frankly, because 
The truth is that times do change, and this is the social media generation. I don't know if you can fault these guys coming up in this generation for capitalize on it, capitalizing on that. They're making money off of their own social medias. Them rising their own star, their own brand helps them and helps them make even more money and be even more successful in their careers. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports Kevin Durant wants to be traded away from the Brooklyn Nets. There was a sense of inevitability, I think, around the Nets and around Kevin Durant that this day was coming. I think it's about time that Kevin Durant severed ties with Kyrie Irving as teammates. There's got to be a trade, and it's just a matter of where he winds up. If, if Kevin Durant is on the first train out, uh, Kyrie Irving will be on the caboose as far as the Nets are concerned. I think it's very likely that not only Kevin Durant, but Kyrie Irving have played their last games for the Nets. Oh, Amber Wilson I and Harry Douglas hanging out with you. Saying it. Where we stand. This we is why stop. people were tuning in to ESPN Radio this morning, because they wanted to hear the sweet, soulful sounds of Harry Douglas. The music <laughs> is good on this show, though. Legit. Shout uh, out to our guy Yates back there in the back. There you go. Yates on the ones and twos. Yates, give this man a beat. beat, beat, beat. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports at HDouglas83. You can also always give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We love when you guys join the conversation. So let's go out to the phone lines right now. Richard is in Arizona. Richard, I know you've been hanging on to talk about Kevin Durant. What do you have for us? Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We lose Richard. Richard wasn't hanging on. I gave Richard too much credit. (laughs) What about Todd in Oklahoma City? Todd, you want to talk some about the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. Go ahead, Todd. So... So to me, with the Kansas City Chiefs compared to the Giants or Bills, yeah, they're both credible teams. However, Chiefs, to me, are definitely a more credible team. They got Mahomes. He's a living legend. Yeah, we lost Tyreek Hill, which uh, he's, to me, the most agile and fastest receiver in the league. However, with Lewis Hill, he's not the only offensive player we have. We have, you know, we have Mahomes. We have Kelsey plus 
with losing Hill, we've actually gained some credible wide receivers. You know, like we got Schuster, we got Scanton, we got more. Right. So just losing Hill, which is one, we've gained at least three credible wide receivers. Plus, we already have McCall Hardman, which is also pretty fast. So having at least minimum four viable players. Yeah, we th- have more thank, thank you so much for the call. I mean, you do absolutely have pieces. We've been talking about it all show long because our NFL radio two-a-days today are the Bills and the Chiefs. And so much is made about the pieces that the Chiefs has lost, but it's notably Tyreek Hill and obviously Matthew on defense as well. It's a piece really on offense that we make such a, a big deal about when they did bring in multiple pieces to try to fill that void. They've got the entire receiver room. They still have weapons. No one's saying they don't have weapons they still absolutely have weapons they have Patrick Mahomes at the helm so we will continue to break down the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills today we did have some breaking news though or so to speak uh Kevin Durant was not traded that would be really breaking news but at least we got some information on the Kevin Durant front because it has been really quiet of late on the Kevin Durant watch Woj finally gave us a little nugget he said the Boston Celtics now are in the mix where we didn't necessarily know the Boston Celtics would be interested in being in the mix for Kevin Durant. We are also hearing from Woj that Jalen Brown would be available if that trade were to go down. We've heard Jalen Brown's name floated in numerous potential trades before. So let's bring in some help for the Kevin Durant conversation and all things NBA. Mark Jackson, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us now. Legend, he is on set with us now on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Mark, what is your reaction to the Boston Celtics potentially being interested in going after KD? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Um, I believe 29 teams should be going after Kevin Durant. He's that great of a player. So to me, it's not a shock when another team is thrown in there uh, trying to steal him away from the Brooklyn Nets. He's an incredible all-time great talent. Obviously, he's a home run hitter. When it, when it matters most, the guy you can get the basketball to, and he can carry you. So I, I think that every team should be on the phone putting forth their best package possible to get Kevin Durant in their, in their uniform. So, Coach, one of the things a lot of people have been saying, a lot of Boston Celtics fans, they're worried about giving up their bench. They're worried about their depth. And I've been trying to explain to them, when you get a guy like Kevin Durant and you have a Jason Tatum and you have a Robert Williams, Delp might not necessarily be that much important. You want it, but when you can get a guy like Kevin Durant that can take you over the hump, uh, are people playing too much into the depth factor when it comes to trying to get a Kevin Durant to Boston? You win in this league with talent, superior talent. I think depth at times is overrated. Because when it matters most, uh, when you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, you're playing eight guys. Uh, we've seen guys play seven guys. At the end of the day, your best players are going to be on the floor. The demand on those guys is going to be, you know, 35, 40 minutes a night. So depth at times can be overrated. And I wouldn't overreact. If I'm getting a home run talent like Kevin Durant, I can sacrifice some depth and go find other guys. And I'm, just, I'm not just talking about the Boston Celtics. I'm talking about anybody. You can fill out the roster with guys because guys – automatically become better when they're on a court with greatness. Mark Jackson joining us, ESPN NBA analyst. Of course, Mark Jackson is featured in the new Showtime documentary, NYC Point Gods, which premieres on July 29th. We are on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, Amber Wilson, and Harry Douglas filling in for the guys. So, Mark, depth isn't maybe the concern, but I was surprised, although obviously everybody should be interested in at least exploring the possibility of Kevin Durant, like you said, I was surprised from an age perspective because Boston – 
in the NBA Finals with a young core. So I'm thinking, okay, if they can get over the hump here next time they're in the NBA Finals, they've got 10 years of this with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. If they pivot and go after Kevin Durant, shorter window. Yeah, but the the thing I would say to to that encountering it is I played 17 years and went to the finals once. You can always think, well, you can get over the hump. Well, we, next year we'll get them next year, and next year continues to be next year. Uh, when you have an opportunity, like I said, and I'll reiterate it, when you have an opportunity to get an all-time great talent, you have to go get that talent because the window shuts quickly. Now I got to talk about a team that you played for, the New York Knicks. Um, you're a legend here. You know about that organization inside and out. Donovan Mitchell, do you think there's a possibility that they can actually land him? And what should he expect playing here in the Big Apple? Well, he's a New York City guy, uh, and the Knicks have done a very good job of improving their team, acquiring Jalen Brown, who got um, J- Jalen Brunson, a guy who I'm very familiar with, played with his dad, Rick, for a couple of years in New York and know him very well. A class act that competes at a high level and, and is a winner, has won at, at every level. So they've improved as far as – a guy that they can trust night in and night out to improve their culture in Brunson. I think Donovan Mitchell also adds that type of home run talent, not on the level of Kevin Durant, but certainly on a, on a level above anybody that's in a Nick uniform right now. Uh, I, would, I would certainly do whatever I can to get a guy like that because, like I said, you win with talent in this league, and he improves their talent. He's a guy that's you know well aware of New York City, and he's not afraid of the bright light. So I, I, I think it's a move that, that I would make. Coach, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a guy in a New York Knicks uniform and you calling the game and saying, Mama, there goes that man. <laughs> oh, you did that oh, better than me, man. <laughs> what's up, Coach? Nobody what's does up, it better man? than you. Uh, Mark Jackson, again, is featured in the new Showtime documentary, NYC Point Guards, which or Point Gods, which premieres on July 29th about NYC Point Guards. What makes it so special playing that position in New York? What does it take? Well, it, it, it takes – it takes a different edge, a different swagger, a different belief, a different confidence. Um, it takes b- being willing to go through trials and tribulations and, and, and the toughness and the grind of New York City. And then at the end of the day, wearing it everywhere you go, not just on the floor. And I think we brought a different mentality, not just me, but even before me. You can go back to Tiny Archibald and Bob Cousy and Lenny Wilkins, respect to the OGs. Uh, and then we've passed the torch on to, to, to today's game, but we've impacted the game in a way where guys play like New York City point guards all around this country now. I got to ask you about Steph Curry, Coach. Um, my brother told me a, t- a ton of stories when he was out there with y'all in Golden State and how Steph prepares, how Clay prepares. But Steph this year had an opportunity to silence a lot of naysayers. What would you say about that? <laughs> Who who who, who are the naysayers? naysayers? Well, no, I understand well, what you're saying. Well, Max, it, no, it, let's, no. it's his right, Keyshawn right. Jamal and Max. <laughs> and, and Max, you know, was saying right. that Steph, you know, had a lot to prove and he, he had to get over the hump and proving that he can do it I as love, being the guy. I love Max. Max said Tom Brady was going to fall off a cliff. But, but see, he, that's, he what, a, that's why we know. say Max. Yeah. So he, he was talking about Aaron Rodgers this year. So now we're thinking Aaron Rodgers is going to win a Super Bowl because Tom Brady, Steph Curry, both won championships when Max has said things like right. that. You, you can't question the greatness of Steph Curry. He has been an incredible all-time great talent, continues to move up the charts as far as the history of the game across the board. He's an incredible person. Uh, he's he's superior talent, and he's fresh off winning another championship and carrying that team. He's his, his run has been absolute legendary, and a guy that I know uh, extremely close 
as a person as as a player i'm 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 proud and i'm honored to have had the opportunity to coach him Mark Jackson, ESPN NBA analyst again. Mark Jackson is featured in the new Showtime doc, NYC Point Gods. It premieres on July 29th. Mark, thanks so much for stopping by and giving thanks us for some, some you of your time. We really appreciate work. it. Coming up next, would a duo of Durant and Jason Tatum make Boston the favorite in the East? Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.